0: Get ready for a parenting adventure. Welcome to Little Adventures, Parenting and Beyond, the podcast that explores all things family. From child development to mental health, we've got you covered. Join us for a fun and informative discussion with expert guests and real life parents. Let's go on an adventure. Welcome to another episode of Little Adventures, Parenting and Beyond. Today, we are here with Maria Reed, and she is going to talk to us about her infertility journey.
1: Thank you for coming on, Maria. Thanks for having me. All right. So, can you please share a brief overview of your infertility journey and how it impacts your life so we decided to start trying for kids at the end of 2018 we had been married
2: maybe seven or eight months so we tried for a year without you know protection or anything and then it was just kind of like if it happens it happens i said that for like two years and then at the end of that two years it was kind of like why am i not getting pregnant i started going to my ob she wasn't the type of OB that you would normally think who's like loving and kind and understanding she was more like you're overweight you need to lose weight and you have a thyroid issue. I'm like, okay.
0: That's what they told me. They're like you're fat. I'm like, well, there's lots of fat people who get pregnant.
2: Exactly. So I kind of like took a break and this was like right before the pandemic happened. This was like late 2019 into early 2020. So I went to a different OB which had great recommendations and she was like, I'm not even going to waste your time like you've already spent 2 years of your life trying to get pregnant. So she at that point for me to reach and what is reach just for so reasons um uh, reproductive endocrinology associates of charlotte endocrinologists who specify in getting getting women pregnant um they have like one of like the top live birth pregnancy rates like in the whole east coast if like, people from all over the, the east coast and up and down come to charlotte because of their i guess their percentage is just much higher than a lot of places. We actually waited like this was like April when when I got the call that um that they were accepting new patients. Um we didn't actually see our doctor till the end of August. And at that point it was Oh, because they
0: weren't doing uh they weren't doing IVF for IUI
2: yeah. for new patients that's yeah. Right? yeah. They weren't doing so we were considered new patients. So we did our first like video conference call with dr katz he was really nice and he was like well you know we have to start from scratch like we have to do like blood work and ultrasounds and really try to figure out if like if i was a problem or my husband was a problem so the first four months of me going into reach was just me like my husband couldn't go like he he only could sense to go to get blood work which they would send him to the lab for here in morrisville and then that was it Mm -hmm. so i was going in to get ultrasounds and to get um, blood work into and, you know, this other stuff like November or December that's when we figured out like oh your your thyroid is like above what it should be so maybe that's why you're not getting pregnant but we can't give you that exact reason because people who have thyroid issues can still get pregnant it's not like in the sense of oh we're gonna label that so then we were labeled um, unexplained infertility because it was me my um, thyroid was like beyond what it should be and then my hormones I was producing more estrogen than progesterone which most women are opposite it, they produce more progesterone than they offer than they produce estrogen. Hmm. So then we had to get my estrogen level down. That shot my progesterone up. So it was like four months of just playing with like hormones, which was awful. Pimple, acne galore. On hmm. um, like it wasn't you know, even on my face. It was more like my chest and my back, which I've never had back acne.
1: Oh it was
2: gosh. awful. That was fluctuating. I lost probably like thirty pounds within those four months because of the hormones being shifted so much. I was like constantly sick just because like my body didn't know what was going on because I was constantly putting pills in my body that were supposed to help so once he was able to get everything regulated he's like well we're gonna start with timed intercourse so forth and then moved on to IUI and then about a week before that on our second IUI which we ended up being pregnant Mm I had that Friday I found that Friday I had my IVF consult because at that point I was like it's halfway through the year, I already hit my deductible, we need to start IVF now, we won't have a transfer till November, and if that mm-hmm. fails, I'll have another transfer by December, and then my deductible starts over, that's $18,000 that I could spend within six months, and it'd be almost completely covered, or start back in January and have to literally pay everything out of the pocket.
1: So what were some challenges that you faced while navigating this new world of infertility, and then going through these different treatment options, how did you figure out what was going to be best for your family?
2: At that point, I didn't know what to expect. I only knew of one other person who she was parent of a student of mine who she went through the same process. She unfortunately never got pregnant. She has two adopted children, which I love. And she was the person that I reached out to. She was the first person to know that we were going through infertility besides my sister. I used her as guidance because I didn't know IUI is. Or what IVF was at the time. I never knew any of that because nobody speaks about it because infertility is so, it's so not, it's not talked about in a sense of a lot of people feel embarrassed because you see so many people getting pregnant on their own. That it's almost like, you don't think that a lot of people are going through it, but they are. But it's more like, oh, you got pregnant? Oh, yeah. But most people don't share that. Oh, yeah, we went through this to get through this. They're like, oh, yeah, we just got pregnant. I realized that I was alone. Nobody, nobody in my age group at the time was going through that because we weren't We weren't even 30 yet, neither my husband and I were 30 yet.
0: Being so young, that's definitely, yeah, you see it more, like, in the older, the 30, the Mm 40-year-olds doing IVF or IUI. But, like, when you're young and it's not working, you feel very isolated. Yeah. I do,
2: because, like, like you said, I mean, it's almost in a sense of, like, these treatments are made for people over the age of 30, because once you hit 35, you're you considered, like, a, like, G- a uh, G- geriatric,
0: geriatric, geriatric pregnancy.
2: pregnancy. At that point, it's, like, egg quality is literally nothing. So yeah. You're going through these I was 27. Yeah, 27, uh, 26 going on 27 when I started infertility treatment. So it was almost like, you're too young. Like you can still try. And people told me that all the time. are like, just keep trying. I'm like, we've been trying for two
1: years. Like. Right.
0: Or they would just say, if you just lost weight. Yes. Well,
2: if it was
1: yes.
0: that easy. Like, or if you just stopped trying. trying. Yeah. It it
1: like that's the other. It'll happen if, happen if you stop trying. It'll happen if
0: you stop stressing about it. It'll happen if you lose weight. It'll happen if you take all the products out of your house. It'll happen if somebody, if one more person told me it will happen. I would literally punch them in the
2: throat yes I can't tell you how many times that upset me when people especially people who had multiple children and never experienced it it's the lack of education that you don't know why it's happening to this person don't just assume it's because they're trying or it's because of the chemical that they're using to clean their shower because ultimately it's your own body that doesn't know what to do like my in my sense my body will never know how to get pregnant it just we tried for two years with no protection you think my body would be like oh okay you know right at that point it didn't even know how to even create a human child until we were you know given medicine and then pretty much turkey based it to have a baby
0: with your thyroid being off did they put you on levothyroxine
2: yes i've been on levothyroxine since september of 2021
0: so you were not on levothyroxine You never knew you had a thyroid problem.
2: I never knew. Even with the amount of blood draws that I had gotten before that because I wanted to lose weight and I wanted wanted to be put on.
0: That is so funny because I was diagnosed with thyroid problems when I was 19 years old. I gained 60 pounds in the course of like three months. And we're like, ooh, red flag. Most people who have like, you know, irregular periods, unexplained weight gain, they don't get a thyroid panel drawn. Or if it's normal, it's in – so my normal is 1.8. I feel good on 1.8, you know, my doctors, but a couple, about a year ago, I was 3.5, I guess. And like, oh, that's normal. And I was like, yeah, but it's not for me. I'm still losing my, I'm still losing hair and I'm freezing all the time. And since my fingers are blue. So like, obviously you need to up my medicine and put me back down to the 1.8 where I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So like, even if your thyroid range was normal, it wasn't normal for wasn't you normal for and that makes that's that's scary that it was missed for how many how many years did
2: you have this like I guess a really long time because um I've always been a heavier girl but I never never was over 200 pounds till I was probably nineteen going on okay? yeah when that's I was what... put on when I was put on birth control it's when I drastically I weighed like 150 all through high school I got to you know college and you know you're your freshman 20 year or whatever yes. but I, it was like when I hit 20 I was put on birth control because I was like my husband and I were already together and I was like I don't want a baby at 20 years old right I gained weight I went from like 150 to like 200 pounds within I want to say not even a year and yeah so that's about it You know, and I think that's where my root of my infertility started was the amount of hormones that I was taking. Like I've been on birth control since I was 20 and I got off of it. I was like 24, 25. So I wasn't on it that long. And you're
0: already heavy estrogen.
2: Yeah. So my body was already... And nobody knew that I was producing more estrogen than I was producing progesterone. I want to say most doctors only look for progesterone um, mm-hmm. because, you know, like that's PCOS and ametriosis, which I don't have any of those things. I just produce too much estrogen, which at that point makes your egg quality drastically drop, which you, you won't know that because a regular OB doesn't test for that. That's when the, that's where the endocrinologists come in and they look for these specific things and they're like, oh yeah, like you produce way more than what you should. There's
0: a problem there. So infertility is really difficult. Not only is it difficult for you, but it's difficult for your partner. And I know like we don't explore that a lot Mm -hmm. because like – we're the ones going through the tests. We're the ones getting tubes shoved, shoved up us. We're the ones, those spectrums, oh my gosh, that are always way too cold. But I feel like it's also difficult on our partner. Mm-hmm. How were you, especially during COVID, how were you able to support your partner and how is your partner able to support you during such a hard time? I know, especially in the beginning, how do you not point the finger and how, do
2: you, how did you and your
0: husband support each other during this time?
2: He, from the beginning, he was very like, what can I do for you? How can help me what are we doing wrong he never blamed to my face yeah <laughs> like, which i'm grateful for because i've seen that where it's like the blame game and then that leads to a lot of problems separation and you never get the child that you're wanting but in our case he was always like what can i do for you what do we need to change like how can i like support you and for me it was like it's me and i knew it was me because when he did the sperm count more it, me like you know where they like type
0: but yeah the things morphology things. and stuff like that
2: it was like 3 times the normal so my joke my our running joke has always been like you could stick it in somebody else and they're different. For me, it's like you do it and nothing happens. So it was always, he was always asking me, like, what can I do to help you? Like, um, And for me, it was more like, should I be asking you? How are you doing? But like Amanda said, you weren't the one getting violated three times a week for months to see what was going on. You're not the one getting poked and fried.
1: With your infertility journey, how did the process go for you to officially get pregnant, get that positive pregnancy my test what was the procedure that you used um, and the steps that you had to take so we did three times intercourses.
2: um so December 2020 and then January and February of 2021 with pills and injections those were obviously negative
0: um did you give yourself the injections or did your husband give you the injections really it's
2: terrifying needles yeah. no thank
0: you i had to do my injection we put Lee was ready to put it in he's like yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think you need to do this. And I was like, you said you want to be a part of this? He's like, yeah, I, uh, I think I changed your mind. <laughs> and so I do go give myself my injections because he was like, nope, can't do needles. So it's really awesome that your husband was able to give you yours. I was
1: your husband. like, No, if I see you do it, I would live I
2: you.
0: thought he was going to hit the floor.
2: I felt like I was going to hit the floor every time you did it. But thankfully, my husband is not scared of needles. So he did them for me. So come March of 2021, we were going to just jump in into IY, but I hit a mental block. I hit severe depression, severe anxiety, uh, some suicidal thoughts, uh, questioning everything that I was going through. I knew that I needed to to take a break because I didn't like where I was going and or where I might end up being. So we took a break March and April, May. June came um, since it had been longer than the three months they needed to run panels. on me again. So then the whole month of June was gone. Like mm-hmm. we couldn't do anything. So then we moved into June, uh, July and we did an IUI, which was the most which was the most painful process I had I had been through mm-hmm. other than, you know, getting my like, tooth checked with the dye. Right. And then that that failed. We completely went a different route. And then August we did our second IUI. I had set up my IVF consult. Like I, like I shared before, because we needed to move fast with IVF in order to stay within the same physical year of our insurance, so we wouldn't have to start over with the deductible. Because the most additional expensive part in IVF is the is the egg is the Retrie- egg retrieval process um so we did I was on two injections three, three injections and pills normally letrozole or clomid letrozole was my pill yeah and then I did gonalef and
0: I don't remember my injections I either. Think
2: of they was. were weird names it was like every other day it was like for the first five days I was on letrozole and then on like the third day I did one injection wait do another injection for like seven days it was I was alternating injections so at the last injection my stomach was so tender and just painful because of just being injected for so many days consecutively so we went in and I shared with the doctor you know that my first IUI was really painful like I to me maybe that I always thought that that's why I didn't get pregnant it was because it was just so painful and um he gave me a muscle relaxer which I think I think it was a I think it was colonopin I think it was that <laughs> they gave me so on my way there I took it and then on my way back home I can not even tell you what I was just so Was
0: your husband able to be there when you Yes. Okay. Thankfully,
2: thankfully at that point they were starting to lift restrictions up so he was able to be there. Only because I was on a muscle relaxer and they didn't trust me by myself, mm-hmm. which is great because yeah. he was able to be there. We did the we did the IUI, which um is just they take his sperm. Um he take we took a sperm sample that morning. We had to be at the clinic at 7 a.m. And they take his sperm. They, they draw my blood, do my vitals, make sure like I'm okay. And then they keep his sperm and they see like what like his count was and the morphology and all that stuff. And then they practically put it in like I always say like a turkey baster. And they put it in. And then you go in. And then they you know they open up your uterus with a speculum and they literally take the sperm and inject it into your uterus. And you lay there um, for like ten minutes.
0: So when I got my IUI done, Lee was not able to be there with us. It's actually kind of funny. We got there at seven. Um, We didn't go through REACH. We went through Carolina's Fertility Clinic. But we got there at seven. And this was like peak, you know, this is April 2020 and COVID, full force. No one was allowed in. Lee went and got his deposited his sperm and they went and cleaned the sperm and all that stuff. TJ was still in the car. So I have a four-year-old with me, where TJ's watching movies in the background, then I had to go in by myself and have that happen while TJ and Lee were out in the car. And I, it's kind of like a kind of a running joke with us. I was like, I don't even, you know, you weren't even there for Patrick's pregnancy. And like, but, and he wasn't even there for his birth either because I was an emergency C-section and I was under general anesthesia, so he wasn't even allowed in. I'm like, so you weren't there for his pregnancy or his birth. Like, this is totally my baby. But... I'm glad that he was able to be there with you because I mean, obviously you were medicated, but if you weren't medicated, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of um you feel it and it's cold. Like this
2: I don't know why the sperm is cold, but it's cold. Yes. I, I do agree. The sperm is is obviously cold. I don't know if they, you know, keep it refrigerated for, you know, medical purposes. But I did have plenty of friends that went through the same process where their husbands couldn't be in the room and they felt Alone and
0: isolated, and you have to wait there for ten minutes by yourself, by yourself which yeah. is
2: you no. Know, At that point, I
0: Facetimed Lee because I was I was just
2: sad. They did say that before we did DIY, and I was going through all my visits. I was going, I would Facetime my husband, and he. You know it's different when you know, he's yeah. on the phone and he's like trying to ask questions and I'm like, wait. And there's like wait. poor service. Yeah. And- Definitely in the in the Reach building, awful service. It, it was almost so spotty where it was like a robot. You could barely understand what he was saying. But yeah, would I do it again? No.
0: So are there? There's no other future kids
2: yeah. unless it happens naturally on its own. No.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel about mine. I'll never do it again. I. And I don't, I, do I feel like my family's complete? I'm not too sure. Um, but both Patrick and I almost died this time. So would I, would I do it? Would I do fertility treatment again? No, no, I wouldn't. It's not worth it.
2: Nope. Especially now that you have two and I have one, like I wouldn't, I would never want to put my husband in the position of who he has to pick. Yeah. Because I can guarantee he would pick me over the child.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's what, Lee's like, please don't make me choose because it's going to be you every time.
2: I hate to say that, like, that sounds selfish. But do you want your kids to grow up without a mom? But thankfully, I I went full term. I had I developed um, early signs of preclampsia at 37 weeks. I was induced at 38 in five days and had her.
0: Did you have to do C section? Or... Okay, blood. cool. That's awesome. Because a lot of times they try to do a vaginal, but with yeah. the hypertension and stuff like that.
2: Luckily, um, I'm that one small percentage that does really good on potassium. We started on a really low dose and stayed and. I progressed from like 10 a.m. to like 7 a.m. I progressed the entire 10 on this small dose of uh, Pitocin.
0: That's beautiful. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Infertility is an emotional roller coaster and it can be emotionally taxing. Do you want to talk about some of your emotional highs and lows that you've experienced along the way? I know it can be difficult sometimes but
2: my biggest trigger warning for me and i can tell you i shared my entire journey on instagram and that's where i found community because again i didn't know anybody until i publicly share on my facebook like we've been trying x y and z people reached out and were like you're not alone like we've been going through it or we went through it and we had a baby like this was seeing positive pregnancy tests at christmas 4th of july it was like for every stinking holiday there was a guess what and now it doesn't bother me because i have my child and i'm grateful for her but before it was i hated social media like i didn't use any other form of social media other than instagram because i only followed women who were going through similar journeys or were pregnant but were going through that same journey with me for months and then they got so and it hurt me the worst when people I knew would censor it for me in a sense, like people that I know would, wouldn't tell me that they were pregnant. They would keep it secret for me until I would see them or until they slipped up on social media or somebody else told me. For me, it's like, tell me now. And I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm like, and it's hard. Some people don't understand that you're happy for them, but you're sad for yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? The, the, un- the sadness in your body is for yourself.
0: You feel even more sad because you were left out of their joy. Right. Where you could have had a moment of joy, now all you, you lost the moment of joy, all you have is your own sadness. You right. didn't get to experience the joy with them to celebrate, and especially you know?
2: during COVID, because I feel like it was a big boom of babies during COVID. I yeah. mean, right, what else was there supposed to do when you're <laughs> trapped at home, I guess, you know? And it was like everybody you saw was saying, Oh my God, I'm having a baby, you know? Oh my God, I'm having a baby, oh my gosh, I'm having a baby. And you're just like, I want a baby, but you can't have a baby on your own. Is your body just doesn't know what to do. And in the sense for me it was more of sadness because all I ever wanted to be was a mom, you know. For the moment we started trying out, I had that, you know, innocent mind
1: like, Oh my God, I'm gonna get outbreaking children and we're gonna get pregnant and <laughs> You know, but, that, but that's the idea that's out there. Yeah. That's what everybody thinks. You know, you go off birth control, it might take a couple months, and then you know you get pregnant, you hurt your family. But people don't realize that it could take a couple months, it could take a couple years, it could just be never. Couple, and you just don't know until you start and you're fully invested in that trying phase, and that's the scary part too, because most of the time you don't get those tests done at your OB before you start trying. You don't have any of that. Say, oh, okay, well I might have issues. It's when you're in the thick of it. That's when all. All of a sudden you realize oh gosh now what now what's our next steps if it's not working after two years or right. after so long and that's why i'm like
2: a, a, such a big advocate about spreading really a positive infertility because people don't know the steps to take unless you've gone through them yourself and they
0: don't know who to reach out to, reach to and, and the ob to. is always like the ob is like
2: oh i keep trying like especially if you're below 30. that was my biggest push was like oh you're below 30 you're under 30 like you have nothing to worry about you have tons of time time." versus like you can want to have a baby at 23 and not be able to have one because you may have PCOS you may have endometriosis so you have you know you may have polyps so you may have Y2 you may have low AMH like there's endless diagnosis out there that a 22 year old can have that regular OBs are are just going to shove it off because they're they're like you're the excuse is you're young you're young
0: you really need to advocate for yourself
2: they do and that's my biggest thing and people who always reach out are like how did you advocate for yourself I'm like being an asshole you have to be because if you're not they're just especially at 24 they're like and you're just like but i want a baby you know And they're like but you're still young i'm like but if i wait till i'm 30 then you tell me i'm too old to have a baby but at 24 i'm too young but there's there's like no happy medium there of when i should or shouldn't have a baby when should i get medical help for it or not so it's hard to to know when when to advocate for yourself but do it find that community if it's on facebook or it you know tiktok or instagram or you know in your in your community of people who who have been through it everybody everybody's such a big help on like the steps but we have to remember that what works for you is not gonna work for, may not work for me or vice versa those are the expectations that i had was like oh my god you got pregnant after that oh my god i mean i hope so. and i still get messages like that like what did you do different with your second IUI that you got pregnant with her? I'm like absolutely nothing. It just worked. Yeah, you know? And I know that sadness of that person. Like they were thinking like, you know, maybe I hopped around one foot, jumped up ten times and,
1: your, and got pregnant.
0: Did the handstands underneath the bed so the sperm goes all the way? Up. Like yeah. I I did it. I was upside down on a bed.
2: Please get me pregnant. Right. Put your feet up against the wall and just hope that it yeah. just mm-hmm. travels up there, which that's not the way
1: gravity works. No. <laughs> like shake me a couple times. Maybe it'll get in. So you used Instagram, but did you at that point in time, did you find any support groups or professional counseling to help you through this process? Or did you kind of just stick with sharing your story on Instagram and having people reach out to you that way and kind of using that to support your journey?
2: I just stuck to the internet. Even though the internet is a cruel world, I stuck to the internet. Um, I started with Instagram and then switched over to TikTok and was doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of girls saw me from TikTok over to Instagram, but I mainly would create it all on Instagram and then would share. TikTok. I per se didn't find anybody locally like a support group. Mm-hmm. I did have maybe a couple friends that I went to high school with that um were going to the same clinic as me, that I had no idea they were going to the same clinic as me, that were going through the same thing, but they never shared either. And then after I shared, they started sharing publicly that they were going through it. My sister was a big, she, even though she had no idea what I was going through, she was there to listen and to hear me cry and, you know, complain to her about everything that was going on. My pastors at my church were a big, big help, even though, again, they had no idea what I was going through. They were just there listening ear to help, to just listen to sometimes You just need somebody to listen to. To have somebody listen to you, that's not going to be like, well, did you try to do this? Or my favorite it's okay you
1: still have time and
2: right. then you're just like at that point I don't even want to keep talking to you because you're not listening to anything that I'm saying you're kind of writing it off yeah you're that. just kind of writing it off because you're like oh I'm gonna listen to this poor girl sing her sad song and I'm gonna tell her it's gonna be okay and it's gonna happen eventually cats can happen eventually but like you said when you think of it you don't think about it that way you're just like every day feels like a thunderstorm that is never ending until your child gets here it doesn't end when you're pregnant the fear of a miscarriage of mid-topic pregnancy of a placental eruption of you know early birth you know Mm -hmm. still like all that stuff it doesn't People are like, oh, my God, you're pregnant. You should be so excited. I am excited. But the prenatal anxiety, on somebody who's suffered infertility, to me, is 10 times worse than somebody who just naturally got pregnant because I've seen it in my friends. They didn't think about you know, all the things that could possibly go wrong. You know, you're not in your skin. I'm right Your kid has... XYZ chromosomes this and that you know for me it was like or when you start feeling your child and then you don't feel your child for like 20 minutes and you're like what's going on versus a lot of times just kind of brush it off like oh they're sleeping but in my mind it was more like she's going?
0: dead it's gone yeah
2: she's dead she's mm-hmm. gone I'm oh, god why is she not moving and after 31 weeks I lived in the hospital about every other week because I couldn't feel her but she was buried so far in my ribs because I'm only 5'2 and she's 21 inches long that so she was, she was buried she was buried up in my right rib where I could didn't feel her but at the moment that they would put the you know the little jelly in the thing she'd poke right up and be like oh hi mom i'm here we're gonna triage you thousand dollar bill later you know at that point we had already made our deductible thank you baby no. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't i bought a doppler a doppler that's a fear i had a fear of that till about 25 weeks I was mortified to not be able to find a heartbeat because I have a lot of anxiety, but it's a lot of like mental anxiety where like Mm -hmm. my own mind scares me Mm -hmm. in a sense. And it's not so bad now that I'm heavily medicated, right? I wasn't when I was pregnant with Bert because I was really mortified. I read all the oh my god, you take this and you take that, like your kid's gonna
1: come out with a missing eyeball or you know one left
2: lip and.
1: Ever. everyone
0: gets every prescription for mental health methods like cleft lip cleft palate
1: yeah and it terrifies
2: you and you're just like i'll let my own emotions eat me up alive and my kid's gonna come out but then the kid comes out and your mental is still there that little voice inside your head is like okay hey, they're here now but i'm to keep this child alive right. they're not gonna you lay them out on the ground by accident they roll over they're gonna suck it and it's like
1: a constant battle
2: right you know but now it's more like is she gonna hold down the
1: stairs yeah yeah the anxiety never goes away as (laughs) they get older it just changes
0: can you take us through the moment when you discovered you were finally pregnant
1: we actually made
2: a video after it was i can tell you the day it was september 3rd because the food trucks were in downtown Warsaw. that's the only (laughs) 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 time together (laughs) because the hunger hit (laughs) it was almost like i'm I'm starving (laughs) give me
0: all the food eating for
2: two right literally eating for two my husband just found out that his father had fallen out of a tree
1: Mm.
2: it was mortifying and so he went to go visit. Him. We had, went to the hospital that night. Again, COVID things were, you're were wear masks. We're like San People weren't allowed in the hospital. So he went to go visit him at home. And so I was at home all day, like
1: cleaning.
2: And, you know, um, I was 10 days past IY. So I was like trying my hardest not to test because I told my husband that we would wait the full two weeks. And my anxiety of testing was real. And Amazon had just delivered my pregnancy tests.
0: All 100 of them?
2: and yeah. I was like okay so I put it in the bathroom or whatever and i was just like cleaning the shower and then I'm like you know what I'm gonna take this test and I'm like if it's negative I'm just gonna throw it away brush it off in my mind that's what I told myself that I was just gonna brush it off it's reality Maria now 2023 I don't know what I was thinking I knew that I shouldn't have done it and that if it was negative that would have broke me like yeah. it would just lost me i get my little package out of the amazon you know the little cheapy ones and i did it uh, i did buy the expensive ones but i was like i mean these little cheapy ones with a thousand packs yeah. you can get a hundred for like five bucks
0: yep and then you can hide it in the trash cans like nobody knows <laughs>
2: You know, I can, like, drive up a stole paper and shut the bottom of the trash and make sure that I take the trash out that day and he doesn't see them in the trash. So I do it, and then I hear the back door, and I'm like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. And I'm like, screaming. there's, like, a cut of pee on the counter, and he's, like, and I can hear him, like, coming through the house, like, honey, and I'm, like, not answering him because I'm, like, trying to, like, Wash my hands and punch the pee down the toilet and, like, throw this cup of pee up in the cupboard. Like, it's so gross. And he had rode his motorcycle, so he was, like, coming with helmet, like, stripping because he was burning up to take a shower. I shoved the pregnancy test into, like, the drawer and just shut it and was, like, standing there with my hands behind my back going, hi. Then he opened the bathroom door and he didn't think anything of it because he was, like, oh, the house smelled, like, clean. Like, she just finished cleaning. There was, like, he didn't think anything of it. So I'm, like, standing where the drawer is, not moving and he my husband i left him to pieces but he is a terrible like clue. like <laughs> he doesn't like get it like, he doesn't like read my body language he just kind of like, brushes it off as that like she was like just doing something and like i caught her off guard and he knows like that i'll go from one thing to another heartbeat so i he didn't think about it so he gets in the shower and i'm like we have a black shower curtain so he couldn't see what i was doing and i was like looking him in the mirror into the shower and i could like see that the chocolate was closed and i opened the drawer up and i was like i took a deep breath and i was like and i wanted to record it and have like this whole video but at that time you don't think about it okay. unless you you're home alone and then you expect a negative to, i expected a negative pregnancy because i didn't feel the tender boobs or the or you know the early signs of pregnancy and i opened the drawer up and it was still upside down and and i told myself okay if it's negative i'm just gonna throw it away literally t- in my hand to walk <laughs> out the door and be like i'll be right back and go while i'm out until pity, and then come back i was like if it's positive i told myself i was like, like, I'm gonna count to three and I turn it over, okay? So longest three seconds of my life. He's like talking about his dad. I think you're worth saying. I told him afterwards that so I was like i love you, I turned it over and it was right. Positive two lines. I didn't know if I wanted to scream, if I wanted to cry, if I wanted to jump up and down, if I wanted to be like we're pregnant. Like in my mind, I'm like I have this onesie. Like I wanted to say we're pregnant. No, at that point, I slam the thing shut, and and he opens the curtain like, "What's going on?" And I'm just holding it, and he looks at me, and I'm just like, I have no words coming out, like no words. And he's like, he has no words. And then I just get in the shower with him, and we're crying. I'm fully dressed, head to toe, I'm sobbing in the bathroom. You know, holy grail of the shower, sobbing we're pregnant like exactly. yeah, yeah. We're, you, we we can officially say that we're pregnant and you know we get out of the shower and get dressed again and then i'm like we need to film a video because i want to remember this for the rest of my life and we've never shown the video because it's very like sentimental to one another mm-hmm. we just made a video of like you know we found out we we're pregnant like you know we said like we can't wait to tell our family like we didn't tell them for a really long time i think not really long time we found out we were pregnant that's <laughs> three weeks and five days, wow. which is very, very early on. Mm-hmm. And we didn't tell our family. I told my sister that same day because that's like that's my sister. Like, mm-hmm. she's the only person I knew for weeks and weeks. We didn't tell her right until she I was over 10 weeks, almost 10 11 weeks wow. that we were pregnant. And that moment was just... Not, I, w- I don't want to say it was everything I hoped it was for because it wasn't because I don't know what I hoped it was for. I was just hoping that I would see a positive pregnancy test at that point in my mm-hmm. life. It, and it was just genuine to just share that with him versus sharing it with, with everybody. You know, cause people always like, I don't know if it's like staged or mm-hmm. it's really happening, But I love the, how genuine it was that it was just us, the moment of like, and I still remember it. And I actually threw like a little last year when she was like, almost going on four months. Mm -hmm. I went to Publix and bought a cupcake. And on that day, it was my pregnancy anniversary. And... I held her up to it and uh, we blew up the candle and we ate the cupcake together and like that day to me is just so special because it's the day that granted I didn't know if it was going to end up having the child
1: you know or if it's you know
2: ends up in a lot of ways where you know miscarriage and stuff like that but I plan to celebrate that day for a really long time just because she is my miracle baby and she it, it, it took us so long to have her because we were never pregnant before we never had a miscarriage or anything she, I've only ever been pregnant with her. To me, that day is just so special because it's the day that I knew that you were you were in my belly and we called her a boy for a really long time. <laughs> so now that she was a girl, because we both wanted a boy, and, but now that we have her, we would never change anything because she's literally the greatest
1: thing ever. She is. She is so perfect. How has becoming a parent changed your perspective on life and the struggles you faced along the
2: way? Parenthood yeah, is hard, especially on days where it's in the early stages where like they're just constantly just fussy or the witching hour starts or because they can't tell you their belly hurts or anything um to me it's been bittersweet because there's it's it was years of wanting to be a parent and wanting to see her roll over or see her sit up or just you know take her to do this and take her to that so it's like every time I take her to do something that I always said I wanted to do, it's just so bittersweet. Being a parent right now to me is sweet. And I know there's like rough patches and I know people are gonna be like, oh, she's just early on, like, you know, it's gonna get harder and yeah. And I know it's gonna get harder as she gets older, But right now, it's so sweet. Some days she questions my motherhood, like the other day, because she's cutting teeth. But days like today, we're we're doing this podcast, and she's literally laying on me Mm -hmm. asleep. I could do this for hours. I could just hold her and watch her sleep.
0: So speaking to all the moms out there or want-to-be moms out there, what advice would you give to other couples or individuals that are currently going through their own fertility journey? That you're not alone.
2: That you... If you, th- you think that you're alone, but you're not, there's a big community out there on the internet. I personally have not found one local to me, but if you're listening anywhere outside of so, in a much bigger area, I'm sure that you would find a group out there with several moms or wanting to be moms or even secondary infertility moms. Reach out to your friends. Even the people closest to you are people who have been through it or are going through it or have been going through it and they have nobody else to share their story with. Me, you can always reach out to me. You can still reach out to me now when she's a year old. Just know that you're not alone, and I'm not going to tell you it's going to happen because that's the worst thing to tell anybody who's going through it. Be your biggest advocate. Advocate for yourself. And I know money comes into it, into a big, big portion of it. And I'm so thankful that the company my husband works for was able to pay a majority of it. And there's so many companies out there that do offer it. We found out that the company he worked for did or does offer infertility uh, benefits. But just know that you're not alone. That's the biggest thing that you're um, that you're not alone. There's therapists who specifically are therapists for infertility patients that are so much more understanding than just your regular therapists. Um, my therapist, she went through infertility herself, and um, she never got a positive pregnancy test. Her all five of her kids were adopted. Um, after that, like, she's like ten or twelve years of infertility. She called it quits. She was able to relate to me much more than the therapist that I had found at first, who constantly told me it's okay, it's going to take time, brush it off. Like, right? That, that's my biggest <laughs> thing is you're you're not alone. You may feel alone, and it may feel like it just drags. But once you find your niche with those people, your life comes. Your life becomes infertility. You do everything. Drink your pineapple juice. Eat the acai You know, eat your you know, your pineapple core, or you know, drink your infertility smoothie of kale and everything. <laughs> drink that nobody wants to drink. But once you find that, you find comfort in the people who are going through the same thing, and you learn that your ha- that your sadness is for yourself and not for others who are getting those positive pregnancy tests. Because at first you feel the sadness for that per- for yourself and that person. But then you realize that you're happy for them, but you're sad for yourself.
0: Well, Maria, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And we are so happy that you have your beautiful daughter here. And she is a big joy. So congratulations. And we are so happy for you.
2: Thank you. Thanks
1: for
0: having us. (laughs) Yay! Oh, that smile. I love the baby smiles and like the teeth are coming in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maria.